0: It can be scary when you think about how much of our so-called personal and confidential information is actually accessible in so many places and by so many different people and organizations. You need to learn what's being done with this information and how to keep yourself secure. Welcome to My Connected Life with Tyler Cohen Wood. When you're in control of your data in cyberspace, you feel all the more secure. Now, here's your host, Tyler Cohen Wood.
1: Hi, welcome to My Connected Life with uh, Tyler Cohen Wood. We have a very exciting episode today. Um, We're going to talk about imposter syndrome and how social media helps to enhance these different types of depression. Um, We are joined again by my um, co-host and superstar cybersecurity rock star and snappy dresser, Scott Schober. Um, We also have Lisa Ventura. She is an award-winning cybersecurity consultant and the founder of Cybersecurity Unity, an organization that's dedicated to bringing individuals and companies together globally who actively work in cybersecurity to help combat the growing cyber threat. She is a role model for women and a neurodiverse leader. Lisa's broken down barriers throughout her career to pursue her passion for cybersecurity with over 20 years of experience as an authority in her field, ensuring she is one of the most sought after experts. Thank you for joining us, Lisa. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here, Tyler. It's wonderful to have you. Uh, We also have uh, Nat Schooler, who's co-founder of Master Mindset, a new leadership foundation and a futuristic podcast host, entrepreneur and trusted advisor. Nat believes that people need to be empowered to create their own success by overcoming obstacles and designing their lives for personal and business success. Hi, Nat. Welcome.
2: Hello. Thank Hello. you for inviting me.
1: And and last but certainly not least, Kim Adele Platts is co-founder of Master Mindset with Nat. Um, she's a renowned master coach, international best-selling author, and speaker. Face Whisper, which I want to ask about. An authority on imposter syndrome and how to overcome it. With over 25 years in the corporate world, she helps others achieve, achieve sustainable, I can like not talk today, mm-hmm. transformation for professional and personal success. And all three of, uh, of our guests, they are all founders of International Imposter Syndrome Awareness Day, April 13th. Welcome to the show, Kim. Welcome, everybody. Thanks so much for having me. So, so depression rates um, and and unfortunately suicide rates in children have really gone up significantly um, from COVID. But there's also a, a link to social media. You know, how does can, can you tell us a little bit about imposter syndrome and what it is? Why it's different from FOMO, the fear of missing out, which which I have. <laughs>
3: Yeah, so, so imposter syndrome was first identified as a, as a syndrome in 1978, and it was originally thought to be purely a female phenomenon. But mm-hmm. over the years, they've identified that actually it can impact any of us at any time, irrelevant of our age, our gender, our race, our culture. In fact, it's expected to impact 70% of the global, uh, global people at some point in their life. And it really is those moments where you don't feel worthy of whatever it is that you've achieved. So maybe you think that you don't deserve the job, you don't deserve the promotion, that you don't deserve the relationship, that something's gonna get taken away from you and that you're a fraud. And you have that kind of constant voice in your head telling you that you shouldn't be there. I suffered for it from nearly 26 years. I was an ex hairdresser who made it to the board and was convinced at some point they were gonna go, we put the hairdresser on the board, that's really awkward, get her off. And it never happened. And I'm still on boards today. But for years, I believed that to be true. And I had to navigate this awful inner critic. And when I had my um, little girl, I realized that the voice we talk to ourselves becomes the voice we teach our children to talk to themselves. And that was a crippling moment for me because I have not been very nice to myself. And I refused to allow that to be the legacy I left it. So I spent the last five years researching why we do this to ourselves. How do we get it? And more importantly, how do we get over it (laughs) so that we can actually stop holding ourselves back? And it was as part of that journey that I was so fortunate to meet um, the lovely Lisa and Nat who um, joined me in my campaign to raise awareness. Because one of the biggest challenges when you've got imposter syndrome is you're so frightened of being found out. The one thing you won't do is tell anybody because then you're guaranteed to be found out because you're actually telling them that you feel like a fraud and yet actually it's the first step to recovery is to say it out loud so that other people can go well hold on why would you think that because let me give you my perspective my evidence my belief
1: wow that's i i i think i, I that that's incredible you know i i, I think about it and you know for the longest time um <clears throat> when I, fir- I i have an autoimmune disease and when i first got sick i i was i felt like i had to hide it and that it it anything that i did i just felt like well if they find out if they find out how sick i am you know no one's going to want to book me or whatever whatever which is just not true so It's interesting because we'll talk later about, you know, how do you find that that voice to tell that other voice in your head to shut up?
3: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you're among if you if you're ever suffering from those feelings of imposter, you're in good um, in good company. Even Einstein had it. He has a quote which says the high esteem within which my works are held, leave me feeling like an unlikely swindler. So even somebody who is globally recognized as a genius doubted their ability. And it's amazing what we can do in our own heads, let alone before we let other people into our heads with what they've got to say as well. And it's, and I think it's that combination that can really cause us some anxiety and depression.
1: Wow. Lisa, how did you become involved? What was your entry into um, Imposter Syndrome Awareness Day? Well,
4: for me, um, Tyler, I had suffered from it pretty much my entire life. And it was accompanied for me by this really strong feeling of I feel different. I don't fit in. I don't understand how to relate to people. I don't you know, understand a lot of you know, things in terms of social situations, etc. And I received a late diagnosis of autism um, about three years ago. And when I had that diagnosis, so, so much made sense. And that's when I really started to understand why my imposter syndrome was so high. And when I did some research into it and realized that, oh my gosh, this this is me, you know, I feel like a complete fraud, you know, fitting in and, you know, trying and and doing what I do and always worried that, oh my goodness, I'm going to get found out, you know, any second. Um, And it's quite interesting. So, in the course of my research, uh, from what Kim said, Um, I'm a huge fan of the rock band Queen and Freddie Mercury. And it was a big sort of light bulb moment and eye opener for me to realise that Freddie Mercury, my all time idol, suffered the exact same thing. Um, I read a lot of accounts where he just just before a a live gig, he would um, be really nervous, be physically sick, yet he'd go out there and he would just... You know, be his amazing self. And there was the whole live aid thing. And he, he'd come off the stage and then he'd be, Was I all right, darlings? Do you think that they liked me? And I'm like, This is Freddie Mercury. He was amazing every time. And and that's where um, I understood a lot of those feelings. And more recently, and I haven't really started to talk about this too much until now, I believe that there's a link with, recording impos- progress. with imposter syndrome. And, um, Narcissistic abuse, and I've realised that I've been um, narcissistically abused throughout my entire life, starting with my parents, and I've had it in other relationships and in business and so on. And I seem to attract these kind of individuals into into my life, and I'm looking to get some resources and things out on this phenomenon and do some research into it because I believe that there is a direct correlation with the more um, you deal with narcissistic personalities or have them in
1: your life, the more rife your imposter syndrome can be.
0: Mm.
1: Wow. I mean, that what you've been able to achieve is so impressive. And, you know, all, all of us, you know, we all have some tough stories and being able to not only overcome those, um, you know, but also learn to live like this every single day but inspire others too and help do this to help others. That is, that is compassion. And it's something that we need a lot more of, I think these days. Mm -hmm. So Nat, how did you, uh, how did you get into, um, imposter syndrome?
2: Well, I literally, I launched a new podcast show back in, uh, the, the beginning of 2020 and I had the fortunate uh, experience of interviewing Kim Adele around imposter syndrome. And this is when I started my study into uh, this uh, into a into confidence, really, because I think we all suffer from a lack of confidence throughout our lives. We all, we all are restricted or, in fact, um, not restricted by our confidence. And Kim Kim and I have been talking about this a lot, and she's coined the term the confidence spectrum, which I think is a fantastic idea. And actually, the confidence spectrum is in the middle, is, is actually our ability is aligned with our confidence. So we live in reality, right? We know that if we go outside and we want to build a wall, if you give us the cement and you give us the water and you give us whatever uh, else, the sand, and we mix it correctly, we know we're going to we're going to build a wall because we've built loads of walls before, okay? We've got the right bricks. We've got everything, right? But then there are other people who are affected directly by um, their lack of confidence, which is imposter syndrome, but actually they are really good at what they do and they don't they don't actually know it and they think that someone's going to find out that they're really, really bad at it. And it, it amazes me, actually, the, the confidence and how it affects us. And on the other side of it, you've actually got, uh, uh, we've been talking about this, you've got the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is a kind of delusion, uh, delusions of grandeur, perhaps on an extreme level, whereby you think that actually you could go and perform brain surgery if someone just gave you a scalpel and you've never even got a degree or been in, been in the, <laughs> you know, or you might be able to, to build something without the flat pack instructions that really you, you really need. And it's going to take you like 20 hours to build this thing when if you'd read the instructions, you wouldn't have had to kind of taken this thing to pieces. So I kind of, I kind of, I'm pretty excited about imposter syndrome. And and I kind of realized that about three weeks ago, I was suffering from like a lack of confidence around what I was doing and how that has been impacting my life. And I just decided, you know what? People don't like me. People don't like what I have to bring to the table. Tough. And it's very simple. And I think the moment that we do that, that's when the magic happens. So thank you, Tyler, for asking me. The question no, I sorry mean, about the long rambling answer
1: no that's that i mean these are all like such 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 great points i mean it kind of sounds like you you can have imposter syndrome at some time some sometimes but then other times you don't and it sounds kind of it's like it's more of a daily doing the work every day till till you get to really that, that point you know confidence is a really tricky thing because there, there's a fine line between courage and confidence. And confidence is what you're trying to get to, but courage is being scared, crapless, and just going ahead and doing it anyway and doing the best that you can. But I love your point, Nate, about you know it's really that getting into that authenticity once you just realize, who cares? I'm my, di- my differences are my differences. and I think that's what makes us special and i wish more people would see it like that that they are actually special because they of their differences
2: yeah but until you until you overcome uh, you understand your belief system that is basically uh, implanted in your brain by uh, outside environment uh, that you've experienced uh, up until the age of 21 these beliefs are are acting as blocks that you build your life on right and and um, I've had the privilege to work with Kim for the last uh, well over a year now. We've been working together for quite a while, and, and it's changed my life to actually have a clear process whereby I can sit down with a piece of paper in the morning, and I can and I can make notes. And if I'm if I'm feeling a certain way, or I have a certain belief about myself, I can question it, right, and have that tool to to understand what you're thinking about yourself and say well what does the evidence really say does the evidence say that i'm really bad at this or does the evidence say i'm really good at it right and then you cross it off and you keep crossing these off and the more you cross them off the less that they appear as far as i can see and Having 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 the, the uh, opportunity to work with uh, with Lisa and Kim on this Imposter Syndrome Awareness Day has been fantastic. They both of them bring masses of uh, expertise to the table. We're just about to be flexing our website muscles and all of that around that. So that's kind of exciting, actually. And we're going to go multilingual as well, bilingual to start with. We're going to uh, do Spanish as well. The first uh, for the first uh, for, for the uh, next year. So that's kind of exciting.
1: Very, very, very cool. That's, that's extremely exciting. Um,
5: I've got, got a question to Tyler um, and maybe for the three of them, I, I guess to some extent, all of us deal with it to a degree. And maybe I use myself as a Guinea pig because prior to this interview, I haven't heard of the term um, imposter syndrome per se. However, I view it from a standpoint of maybe measuring, um, ability, confidence, pride, humility, those type of terminology that that you kind of weigh out. And and again, myself as a guinea pig, when I was a kid, I could not um, do well at speaking in front of others. So public speaking was a no-no. I couldn't look at anyone in the face. Um, I couldn't get up in front of my classroom. I was extremely shy to the point where it started to probably affect my grades, my friendships and other things. So I tended to gravitate toward technology, computers, building robots, geeky things. That was my comfort zone. Um, So a number of years ago, and Tyler's kind of familiar with this, as I start to get more and more, probably about a decade ago, in in the world of cybersecurity, I began getting in front of customers. And then next thing you know, somebody wants to interview you and get in front of a camera. So you kind of have to learn and be trained to overcome your own insecurity, your, your own fears, until you, you get to the point where you do have enough confidence that hopefully is balanced between humility and pride, where you're not too pompous think you know it all, I think to your point, Nat, and um, where you can actually help people and you see that change. And, and I think that's where it's an interesting twist because now all of us probably are on social media, right? We're all on LinkedIn and Twitter and all these other crazy <laughs> platforms. At some point that's going to come into play and that will actually affect our own internal perception of ourselves and probably more so how do other people see us am I somewhat accurate in that even though I don't know the exact details and definitions from a psychological standpoint it's something that we're kind of all dealing with a little bit
3: yeah I think you're right we all have um <clears throat> we all have our perception and and the thing mm-hmm. that's true in the world is that there is there's always two sides to every story. For every up, there's a down. For every left, there's a right. So everything we say, the opposite could also be true. And it's opening ourselves up to that possibility. And I think with social media, one of our challenges is we now live in a compare and despair society. So we compare ourselves with other people and despair at our own messy versions of our uh, seemingly unperfect life. But the reality is we don't go on social media and post... The no makeup selfie when we've been up all night with our little one, or when we burnt the dinner because we weren't paying attention and we were doing something else. So we're only posting a an airbrushed view of our world rather than the reality. And it's helping ourselves to understand that. And I think for me, one of the biggest breakthroughs I ended up having in, in kind of um dealing with my imposter syndrome was recognizing that my opinion wasn't that important. And try and explain that a little bit better. So I had bosses, I had leaders, I had um, people that I really aspired to be like, telling me I was good at something. And I'd sit there going, if only they knew, if only they knew I was hopeless, if only they knew I, do. I don't deserve this, I shouldn't be there. And then it struck me one day, It's was like, so you're saying that your opinion, that you're rubbish, is better than their opinion that you're good well, that doesn't stack up because I don't think my opinion is worth very much at all. So why on earth would I think that my opinion was more valid than their opinion? And at that point, I learned to start borrowing their belief because as human mm. beings, we don't want to be foolish. So if we've asked you to do something, if we've asked you to... St- to come on a show like this, we've asked you to stand up in front of people, and we've asked you to go and see customers. It's because we believe that you can do it, and you can do it well. So one of the things I now do with people is say, borrow the belief until you find your own. <laughs> borrow their belief, and then trust yourself that you can step into that. And Tyler, one of the things you said really, really uh, struck for me, which is I spent years desperately trying to be perfect, you can't be perfect. We are perfectly imperfect. In fact, our imperfection is our perfection. And once we understand that and we embrace it and say our imp- our imperfection is our gift to the world, it changes how we view things. So all of a sudden we can add that colour. And forgive me, I think I'm about to be joined by a little girl. Um they say Lovely. never animals and children, I have a puppy under my desk. <laughs> I've got a little one doing this around the door. <laughs>
1: You know this it, it, that actually is a perfect segue into you know that other aspect of social media and, and, and imposter syndrome. Hi so Oh, funny. she's so cute. Hello. Hey Scarlett. Scarlett. Oh, she's so cute. Do you use social media, Scarlett? Not yet, do you? <laughs> Not yet. So so what do we do when our kids are feeling this? how how can we help them and so they go on social media they see that their friends are all doing something and maybe they've been left out of it and they come to us with those feelings what how what, what do we say to them how do we help them through that
3: it's a great it's a great question um because it's so hard isn't it when it's your children you 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 want to wrap them up and protect them from everything and you know, as we were saying just before we went live, Tyler, when I was at school, showing my age now, if somebody wanted to bully me outside of school, they'd have to ring my parents up and ask to put me on the phone. <laughs> so you, you've got a reprieve because nobody does that. Whereas now there's no off switch. Um, and I know from you know my elder um, nieces and nephews and things, it can be really uncomfortable for people because people almost seem to have lost... The compassion and it because we hide behind a screen, I don't think we always pay attention to the impact of what our words are saying. So I, I guess for me, what I always try and and um share with share with people is ask a few more questions, seek to understand. Is there a reason why you weren't included? And also, you know, there was I live a quote as you know um And I spent ages um, trying to be everybody's cup of tea. As a British person, it's impossible. We could argue about how we make our tea as much as we could about politics and religion. Um, (laughs) And I found this this quote, which is, I'd rather be somebody's shot of whiskey than everybody's cup of tea. And I now try and live that, which is for the right people, I'll be their shot of whiskey. And for the rest, they can can choose to move on and find the right person for them. And hopefully... Sharing that with my little girl, making sure that she understands all the things that we're proud of and all the people that love her so that she's got a lot of positive reinforcement to hopefully set her up for
1: that success when other people try and bring her back down. Hmm. You know, one of the things that I hate so much, it makes me really sad that a lot of uh, there, there are a lot of people and you get sucked into it they they base their value on how many likes they get on a post or how many followers they have and that's kind of a sad that's kind of a sad way way to be because you're not defined by your followers but that's a, that's a hard um, thought process to say to a teen that is it, it has peer pressure and wants to fit in
5: I think it's good, too, to to show them your failures, as strange as that sounds. I've tried that. I have two teenagers, both in high school. Um, And when it comes to social media, especially something like a cyber bullying type of thing where kids are always so critical to one another, I, I show them how people rip me apart and say how bad I look or the dumb things I said or I don't know what I'm talking about. And it just puts it on a real plane. And they look at it and say, wow, that was so mean. And I said, yeah. There are a lot of mean people in this world. The most important thing is don't let it derail you from who you are and who you believe you are. Don't let them change what you're trying to do, especially if it's good. And I had a question for you guys, and I was just reading about this the other day and took note of it Um, on YouTube, which is owned by Google. I've noticed that you've got the, the thumbs up that they display for every time you like somebody. They took down the display for the dislikes. It's still... I guess, quantified in the background. And as a a channel creator, you could see how many people dislike it, but they don't display that to the public anymore. And do you think that might be in part because there's so much negativity and people attacking other people that they said, hey, let's, let's try to make this a little more balanced and keep it positive?
4: I do, Scott. And I think as well, other platforms I'd love to see follow suit. I'd like to see Facebook take the angry one away um, and things like that. (laughs) So, yeah, I agree with that.
2: Yeah, I think this society that we live in, this uh, fake world that we live in of Mm. social media is actually can be very damaging but i do also think that uh we don't give the children enough credit they are smarter than we were when we were kids let's be honest yeah they they they're better with technology they understand how to deal with it i think outlining these basics in the first place is a really great idea tyler and i did an interview uh, a couple years back around this and um with with a friend uh, a friend of mine who's a cyber cyber guy as well and It's um, really, really important to give them credit and explain to them because actually they understand it and they know uh, how people should behave, how people shouldn't behave uh, towards them, to be
1: honest. Yeah, I mean, the the only time that I get upset when I don't get likes is when I post things about my beautiful, perfect child, my schnauzer.
5: TikTok, you take it personally, almost scary. <laughs> what, what do you think about my when you stuff do I
1: take personally, but just, just about yeah. actually,
5: <laughs> you, you made an interesting point there. When you make a kind of a personal post, one thing I've tried to do, and normally I, I just try to focus on, Hey, this is work-related media appearance, which obviously is promoting self and so on and so forth. Somebody encouraged me once. Sometimes it's nice on social media to mix it up and show that you're a real person and what do I mean by that? It's you're in a boat. Um, you took a picture of a nice sunset. You mix other things in there, and I think it it takes away this image that somebody's a you know an expert, an influencer, this or that. They're a real person, and they have likes and dislikes. So I've tried to now mix that or weave that into some of my social media, so I'm not too preoccupied with just promoting myself or the platform, which is hard to do because that's usually the Focus that everybody seems to place, but curious what what some of your thoughts are. Have you noticed that or heard that, or have you tried that yourself?
2: Yeah, I uh, I've, I've I'm just starting to get into TikTok to see how that mm. how that impacts my life, just for fun, right? Yeah. because it's nice to play around with things. But I think it's all down to the platform, the audience, who's on what platform, how you cross cross promote, uh, how you cross integrate. I do a lot of that now. I've started to kind of invite my LinkedIn connections to connect with me on Facebook. And, you know, so just depends, really depends on uh, what you're doing, I think.
1: So that is that's a—I I love that point talking about, you know, TikTok and the other platforms. Um, we're about to go on a break, but when we get back, we will continue talking about imposter syndrome, uh, social media, the good, the bad and the ugly. We'll see you in a couple minutes.
0: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to My Connected Life with Tyler Cohen Wood. To reach the show during the live broadcast, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to tyler at tylercohenwood.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back to My Connected Life. Um, I'm your host, Tyler Cohen Wood. And we're continuing our conversation on social media and imposter syndrome in kids and in adults. <clears throat> so, do you want to continue with uh, talking about TikTok and 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 how that, um, how it's... Actually, I got a question. Are there certain social media platforms that tend to make people more depressed.
2: Can I, can I just, so let's, let's step away from that a little minute and and we'll think about the sort of the way that the platforms work and the way that you engage with people within those platforms, right? So we all know that, that we have these algorithms that want to maximize time on the platform there's someone someone has a job that there are many people in that team they want to they want to make sure that there are huge numbers of people staying on the platform as long as possible and in order to do that you have to engage with content that is relevant to you and interesting to you so you're you're basically self-selecting how you engage with content right so if you if you get off on that feeling of um of being upset and annoyed and you and you and you shout and you you like to engage in that kind of uh not trolling but you like you like to disagree right if you if you like to disagree every platform is going to find you more content to disagree (laughs) on right um but uh, but i do think that behind the scenes of all of this i mean i watched this short video a couple years back that was this that was this girl who's clearly depressed right she she, it's it's a video about her at home and she 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 literally is in bed right she gets out of bed and she gets she gets um a glass of wine and she pours a glass of wine and she pretends to be cooking a meal for two, but actually she's not. And then she pretends to put her sneakers on and go for a run. And so, you know, all of us, right, we sit there and and like, we see all these people and it's like, look, life isn't easy for everybody, right? Even these people who struggle, even, even when I interviewed Stanley Tucci, right, and talked to him about his roles and his life, he struggles with life everyone struggles with life. And I don't, so I don't think it's platform specific. I think it's person specific. And I think the education needs to happen whereby people can actually understand how these algorithms are manipulating them. I think that's really important. So that's my opinion on it.
1: Do
5: you you think that there's a, a tie between social media and depression in part because social media you, you naturally want to put your best foot forward. It's like if you're taking your, your senior graduation photo, you're going to get your hair done and your makeup on. I think a lot of people on social media spend an inordinate amount of time just to give the perfect look and feel. And I think because of some of the filters maybe and other things that are in play, could that underlying be causing some problems maybe with depression or self-esteem or some of these other things that we've talked about?
1: especially in in girls, in young girls. Yeah,
5: especially girls. It's harder on them. I feel bad.
3: I think it can be really hard, can't it? Because I think in life in general, we do try and put our best foot forward, don't we? We try and make sure that we demonstrate our best selves. Um, And now with all the filters and things in social media, then people layer all of those on. And one of their worries, I think, is the fact that when they meet people in real life, they're going to have somebody go, oh, you're not like Mm -hmm. I expected. (laughs) I'm I'm rubbish I'm that old that I don't really know how to use filters which is a good thing but the amount of people I meet who go oh you look exactly like I thought like you like your own photos and I was like why why would I not (laughs) because if not it's going to be really embarrassing when when I meet you so I think that possibly also adds a layer on of discomfort Mm. about you know fear of being found out because actually perhaps we don't look like that because we've, we've used a filter or we've only put out our perfect self and
1: nobody's perfect. We all have. Sorry. Hi Scarlett. Sorry. So yeah, you're right. The filters, I mean, nobody's perfect. Um,
2: But I think back to my, back to my original point, it's the children now, the uh, younger people now are so much more resilient. They know about these things. Right. And, overuse of social media sure it's going to cause depression but look if you're not if you're not happy in your life you're going to cause depression for yourself anyway mm-hmm. right and 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 the fact is is that the education from people like you guys um is out there, there there's loads of information and and actually with a, with good parents with good friends uh, and good information I, I don't i really don't I'm really, I don't think we know the facts and the figures, right? I think depression was hidden in the past. I think that social media has given people a great way to turn around and say, well, actually, we're going to celebrate that today we're not very happy. And And I think that uh, it would be interesting yeah. to see the figures, you know?
1: Yeah. No, continue,
4: I was saying, I think the conversation about mental health is really starting to you know, open up. And I think it's really important as well that everybody you know, has that conversation, acknowledges those feelings um, are really important for, for men to do that as, as, as well. It's a, it, it's a huge problem that, that men generally don't seem to open up as, as, as much. And it's great to see those conversations happening.
1: Now, is I, I can think of a particular instance where social media actually helps me When I'm in those days where I'm not feeling well, whether it's physically, emotionally, whatever it is, um, I have taken to I go to Facebook, the um, the miniature schnauzer group, and I take about five minutes and I look at miniature schnauzer puppies and I'm feeling like I, I feel a million times better. Totally well, agreed. Yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> Tyler, I do the exact same thing, except it's German shepherds and huskies. So I'm in a few groups <laughs> for those. And I do the exact same same thing. And it really does help to you know, raise my, uh, my my happiness levels. I'm doing that every day. Um, and another thing that I found, because I'm on this journey now of realizing that what my family and particularly my parents have have done to me throughout my lifetime that I accepted as completely, well, normal. And I'm now having quite intense therapy to unpick that and understand that their treatment and behavior was actually abusive and not normal. I'm in a few groups around um, narcissistic abuse and being able to connect with those other people that have had those similar experiences and just knowing that I'm not alone in this journey that I'm, I'm going through is is, is is super helpful for me. Mm.
1: That's, that's such a good point, Lisa. Yeah.
5: Mm. Makes sense. And I think so yeah. what we're seeing is actually, even though there is such a dark side to social media, there is a, a light and a contrast where I think mm. we, we've all kind of identified there are things that make us feel better that make us feel good, that put a smile on our face, or help us maybe get over that hurdle of if we're just a little down or this or that. And and I and I guess it's different, like like you said, now for each of us, it is it's gonna vary from maybe our or how we're raised and what platform we tend to visit, what our likes are or dislikes. But it's kind of interesting. It's it's a lot of it, it is our personality. If we're very optimistic and we can look for things good in social media and gravitate toward those things it could actually be somewhat therapeutic, I would say. Um, and probably that's what I do. I try to not focus on all the the negative. I try to avoid the politics if I can. And it's everywhere, which is hard, but it's very manipulated with the algorithms. and And really focus on things that, in a sense, do put a smile on my face or make me laugh a little bit. And then I walk away from it and I don't have any negativity that that's hanging mm-hmm. on me, but rather I I want to share something with someone else or show my kids or my wife and say, hey, did you see this funny post or or whatever? This was really neat. Let's go travel here, do this. Those type of things I think social media uh is really nice for. I think the and I block thi- button. Sorry,
2: ladies first.
4: So I was just gonna say that I think like everything else in this life, it's how you use it that makes yeah. the yep. the difference. And that's from technology to social media to, to everything. It's yeah, you know, it is
2: just how you use it. Yeah, yeah, oh, nice. yeah. And the block button is there for a reason, right? And but oh, yes. There's been a big narrative around um, political things, yeah, with the West and and um, the, the communist regime in China and things like this. And and I actually had to block someone the other day because he was using what I said to. He basically was quoting my tweet, right? And and he was basically making me look really bad. By telling his story and using my tweets to support his story, so we need to be very, very careful with with these people because they are um, operatives of the state, right? And they and they exist, but they also exist for other countries. It isn't just China; it's Russia. There are many, many others, and and it it, it creates a bad feeling that escalates, right? And 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 if you engage in that way, it's going to continue to to continue. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to block you. I don't want to know you. I don't want yeah. to engage with you. You can't have a sensible conversation. You're there to control a narrative around a nation that is that is um, uh, not aligned with my values. Right. In 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 the way that I've been uh, shown what it looks like. Right. So uh, and the way that it's run. So I think it's very dangerous. I think it can be very, very dangerous because if you if you don't understand that, you, can, you should block these people. Then you continue to engage, you get upset, you get angry. And then, yes, you might become uh, depressed, upset, enraged. But some people like that feeling. Some people like to have a confrontation. They enjoy the way that it makes them feel. And those people, they just enjoy that, right? And if that's what they enjoy, then they should be allowed to do it. But if you want to take control of your life, you need to understand what buttons are being pushed as far yes. as... I can see.
5: I think that's a really good point because I think one thing that, uh, that I've noticed is, and we probably all had this, where the uh, somebody comments things, but they're a little over the edge or they're twisting what we say, as you, as you mentioned there, or you get the, the kind of stalkers. I've had a few of those. And I think I always contrast, and I tried to share this with my kids, would you invite this person in your home to have a meal with you? Would you associate with them? And they'd go, no, of course not. I said, okay, well, just the fact that it comes in on your mobile device doesn't mean that it's okay and they're allowed to say those things to you. Let's block them. Let's report them. Let's delete the content. Let's not associate with them at all. And I think when I was able to do that, it kind of sent a message to my kids. Now they'll come to me with their mobile devices. Um, sometimes and they'll show, Dad, what do you think of this? This person wants to talk to me or connect with me. And I'll say, okay, look, that's a, I'm glad you brought that to my attention. What do you think? why do they want to talk to you? And they're kind of like, I don't know, maybe they like the same sports team. I'm really not sure. Since so you don't know them. You've never talked to them before. I said, well, it's like a stranger then we have to treat them that way, be extremely cautious and it's okay to say no, or not even respond to them just delete them block them. Yeah. So they're not part of your social circle, part of your friends or family.
1: That's, that's very important. We are actually, we are going to be doing an episode later on. Um, about how to vet of who you're talking to is who they say they are catching the catfisher.
2: That's, that's a really, really good idea. Yeah. it's a really good idea.
1: That's so needed, <laughs> Tyler. <clears throat> I, I mean, it, it really is because Scott, you know, like you said, people generally want to help and they, they trust and they they want mm. to do the right thing. And if someone knows stuff about them and is, is reaching out to them, well, the natural inclination is to say, oh, well, yeah, but we need to not do that and stop for a minute and say, wait a minute, let's take a look at some things here and just go through these steps of how to vet if, if, if who this person is, is, is actually who they are. And it's pretty, pretty, it'll become very evident who is not actually who they say they are. But they're tricksters and they're really good at doing this.
5: I think that the social media part of the challenge can be, at least in the world of teens, especially younger ones, there's a tremendous amount of peer pressure because you might look on your friend's feed and say, well, they're being followed or they're friends with so-and-so, therefore, they have to follow me. Like they want to be popular, they want to be social, and and that could be a bit dangerous there, so we gotta. I think it's important as parents, the onus is on us probably. Sit down, talk, and train your children about the goods and bads of social media. So if they're if you do allow them to use it, um, that that there's checks and balances in place, so it doesn't get out of control or cause a problem.
1: Yeah, my my little eleven year old niece, she thinks her aunt Tyler is really cool, and. She said she and her mom were fighting because her mom was said, well, if you're going to have a Snapchat account, I'm going to be on the Snapchat account. And she goes, Tyler, tell her that she's not being cool. I said, I'm going to get a Snapchat account and follow you, too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I think you're not giving the kids credit enough. Yeah, you guys like my daughter, she's she's on TikTok. Right. And she's got a private TikTok account. Um probably 25 followers right and i think also the platforms are doing quite a good a good job actually youtube is very very child friendly actually when Mm -hmm. it comes to uh taking care of that and you know you can't follow a children's youtube account if you're an adult as far as i can gather i don't even think children can follow them right so Mm -hmm. but the point is spreading spreading the awareness i think has worked and i think uh, we keep on with that i think uh we're going to continue to, to look after the young ones, right? And but I think the depression and the FOMO and the and the um, uh, you know the way that we look at people is worse for people who are older, actually, because they don't understand what what people go through. They don't understand there are filters, right? Kim didn't know there was a filter, right? So there are many people Kim like old? Kim who who don't know <laughs> there are filters on 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 these things. <laughs>
1: I'll let you deal with him later, can I?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I happily embrace the fact that I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> we're
2: not old, old. We're we're a similar age, right? But like you know what I'm saying anyway.
3: <laughs> Take the feedback, thank you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you don't need filters.
5: <laughs> I'd like to see how many likes or dislikes this uh, episode gets,
0: Tyler. That I'm would be gonna be interested in trouble now. <laughs>
1: <clears throat> yes. <clears throat> I mean, we all use the filters, though. Don't we? Do? we? Do we
2: I do. do? I've no. never used one No,
3: really? Only
2: on Tinder. But that's a different thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I like I liked it. Honestly, I like Zoom because it has all the, the filters. You can put your lipstick on. You can fix your eye. You can have fake eyebrows on. Can I do that? Great. Can we do that now?
2: Should we have fun while we're doing this? Are we allowed to
1: go, go yeah. for it.
2: It'll make go. noise. I'll be in trouble with Voice America.
1: You, you will not be <laughs> in trouble. We only have a few minutes left, anyway. So I'd like to mm-hmm. try it. It's fun. It's really fun. <clears throat> but you know, it is crazy though because um, the niece has sent me pictures with the Snapchat filter, and I mean, the filters are—they're pretty good at what they do, but it also. Can be a little scary too because it can make kids look older than they are. Um, <clears throat> so, I think sitting with them and playing with them and helping them with this, especially at a young age, because kids when they're young, they're so much more they're so much more willing to to listen and 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 they want to be there. They want to be involved. So, I think the conversations really should start at a young age. I completely agree and actually they're they're doing so much more now in schools I know with,
3: with my little girl's five um, and they're already talking to them about bullying and how it might transpire and, and what that might feel like so at a really early age letting them understand and um, and have opinions and, and I love what you were saying scott's as well and she clearly has got an opinion and is refusing to go anywhere but to be here um but it's you know asking them what they think, getting them to recognise. Because I think this is sometimes where we go wrong, is we do it for them, and that just gives them a further belief that they shouldn't trust themselves. So they start outsourcing their opinion and their view to other people because we've given them what their opinion should be. So what I try and do with with Scarlett is ask her, you know, what, what do you think about that? What are your thoughts? How do you think that might feel? What do you think those emotions might be and I I know you mentioned at the start um you were interested what the face whisper is my poor child gets face whispered to within an inch of her life um because we have So so it's basically, it's reading micro-expressions. So there are 43 muscles in our faces and irrelevant of our age, our race, our gender, our culture. In fact, even if we were born blind, we use the same combination of 43 muscles to demonstrate the same seven human emotions. And our emotional brain responds 24 times faster than our thinking brain. So by the time we think, don't show the emotion, it's already out there. Um, And one of the things it's great for is being able to spot if somebody actually is anxious or depressed. Um, There's a really awful video the day before a very famous person killed themselves, and that his wife shared the video to say, you know, this is what depression looks like, and nobody could have known. Unfortunately, if you know how to read expressions, it was really clear. Um, So I think the more that we can educate people on this and share that and say maybe you could spot this and ask better questions don't call people out on it nobody wants to be called out on whatever they're feeling but if we can seek to understand then hopefully we can create a safer space for people online and offline
1: wow that that would be a great show in of itself is reading the micro expressions the human lie detector
2: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah she does that a
1: lot <laughs> i mean, I've been happy to <laughs> <laughs> have, have you learned to train your face, Nate? I've
2: I've been Nate, learning. Nate? I've been learning. I haven't learned it yet, but I'm I'm learning slowly. <laughs> yeah. More more about other kind of communication, like verbal communication. I've been learning a lot about the past year and a half, massively. And uh yeah, every day is a school day, according to Kim's uh, Kim's Nan. Oh, and Nan is a grandmother, by the way, in America. <laughs>
1: wow I, i mean this is there's this is a lot of information to take in so so really you know it's sitting with your kids talking to your kids um you know making sure that you're working with them but also as an adult you know saying finally getting to that point where you realize no i'm good as i am and i don't need to be what i think other people want me to be because we understand that our perception of someone else's life is a fantasy, and it's a romanticized fantasy. It's like the Hallmark Christmas version of mm-hmm. the fantasy of that person's life. But no one's life is as perfect as you will fantasize it to be in their head. And once you understand that, and you really realize, well, you know, I'm good just like I am. I think that's that's part of the trick too, and and that's what I got from 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 this this session. So you have about a minute left. Um, does anyone have any parting words or, or what's the one piece of advice you would give?
3: Oh, the one
2: piece of advice, Kim,
3: have you got one? yeah so, so I would say for everybody, if you can go and get your Thrive Hive, it's your four or five, maybe six people that you can call on whenever you're feeling a little bit doubtful, a bit insecure, yeah. a bit like you're not where you need to be and and for me I have to have a mix of people I need the person who's going to give me the tough love and tell me to just get over it and I need the person that's going to give me the tea and sympathy when I'm not ready for the tough love yet Um, but having that range of people that you know you can call on can really help because we're much stronger together than we are on our own and one of the challenges when we're facing imposter syndrome or anything like that is we spend too much time on our own in our head and that's not where we need to be. We need to be out there asking other people what their view is, but they need to be people that we know like trust and that we recognize have got our best interests at heart. Well,
1: thank you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Kim, Nat, Lisa, Scott, of course, for joining us. Um, you know, please join us uh, next week. We have a very special show lined up for next week. And, um, I will, I will not say it. I will let it be a surprise. <clears throat> uh, thank you very much, Tyler Cohen Wood. Um, signing off, My Connected Health. Thank you. My Connected Life.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week to My Connected Life. We have much more for you next Wednesday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until our next show, be careful with your data and your life.